Mm. Well, the last time that we gathered, we took a look at Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 17. So today we'll be studying the rest of the chapter, verses 18 through 34. So please go ahead and open your Bibles up there to Matthew chapter 8. And uh, before we go ahead and jump on in our, our, to our verses for today, I'm actually going to go ahead back and just start reading at the beginning of the chapter so we can stay within the context of the whole chapter here. We'll just go ahead and read verses 1 through 17 before we jump into the rest of the verses. So Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. It says, When he had come down from the mountain, of course this is speaking of Jesus, right? When he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from the east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way. And as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Now when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother lying sick with a fever. So he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and served him. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word, and healed all who were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. And now beginning our verses for today, verse 18 says, And when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave a command to depart to the other side. Now that's an important verse I want you to keep in mind, okay? Might not sound like much at the moment here, but keep that verse in mind. And when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave command to depart to the other side. Then a certain scribe came and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Now, personally, when I read the scriptures like this, I like to envision the scene, and I really encourage you 
to do the same when you study the scriptures. Kind of put yourself in that time and place, right? Uh, what was going on back in that day here where Jesus was actually walking on the earth in the flesh? He's traveling around with his chosen disciples, but also following him around here were a multitude of others, some of which were his disciples as well. They were being taught by him and were followers of him. And there were others, though, that were probably just sitting around, listening off to the side and kind of, kind of pondering these things that Jesus is talking about here and wondering about him. And one of these people that we see there in verse 19 is a scribe who seems to have been really impacted by the teachings of Jesus. His heart was influenced, it seems, by the words of Jesus. And he makes a declaration to Jesus where he says that no matter where Jesus goes, he says, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. No matter what, I'm going to follow you. And this man seemed to be loved to be taught by Jesus and just to simply sit and listen to him, right? If you remember a few weeks back, we talked about how people were astonished at the teachings of Jesus because he spoke with power and authority, unlike the scribes of that day, unlike the other religious leaders of that day. There was something powerful about the, the way that Jesus spoke. And this scribe here in verse 19 seems to realize that there was something astonishing, something amazing about this man, Jesus. The teachings of Jesus had captivated him in some way. And I am convinced that the teachings of Jesus, if we would just apply our ears to them, his teachings can have the same impact on our lives today, which is why we go through the Word of God in the manner that we do. We want to soak it in. We want to absorb it. We want to learn of Him. We want to be His disciple as well. And of course, many people over the centuries have been impacted by the words of Jesus Christ. But you know, there's more to, to following Jesus than just hearing His words. Do you remember we read in Matthew chapter 7 a few weeks back that Jesus said in verse 24, He said, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, Jesus says, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. So being a follower, a disciple of Jesus, is not just in the hearing, it's in the doing. Not just hearing what he says, but doing what he says. And if we would live our lives in a manner where we are doing the commands of Jesus, we'll find that it's not really an easy road to be on. And if we would live our lives in a manner where we're obeying his commands, right, we'll find that it's, it's not always peachy keen, right? Father, mother, brother, sister, son, daughter, on and on, family members may begin to think ye a bit strange, right, when you're walking with Jesus. They don't mind if you're religious and if you keep it to yourself, but if you don't do the things that you used to, you may find yourself being shunned and rebuked, maybe excommunicated from the family and even crucified by the family and friends that you, that you grew up around. And that's what Jesus is telling this scribe here in verse 8. It's not easy. He's challenging this man, or um, what was it? I, I said verse 8, it wasn't verse 8. But anyway, Jesus is telling this scribe here in chapter 8, I should say, that he needs to be truly serious 
about his conviction to follow Jesus. It's not going to be easy. It's following Jesus is not the road to prosperity, though there are many false doctrines that teach it as such today. It's not the way to make friends in this world, right? Following Jesus is it's not the broad path. Jesus called it the narrow path. Look, let me show you some more scriptures here. Just turn up a page or two. Stay, we're going to stay right here in Matthew chapter 10. So you could be in the right place where you are now. But Matthew chapter 10, um, looking down at verse 34. Kind of want to backtrack on something I just said to you here just a minute ago about how you know, maybe family members may turn against you when you come to Christ, when you begin to follow in His commands or, or do the things He say. They may see you as a, a Jesus freak, a Bible thumper, or whatever, they, whatever name they may want to call you, right? But down in verse 34, Matthew chapter 10, Jesus says, Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake, will find it. Now keep those verses in mind, but go ahead and um, turn now to John chapter 15. So we're here in Matthew. There's Mark, Luke, and then John to the right of where we are. I want you to find John chapter 15. I want to show you some more verses that speak in this same manner of, of what we're talking about here this morning. John chapter 15, and we'll start reading down in verse 17. In these, in these verses here, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. So everybody there, John 15, 17. Jesus says, These things I command you, that you love one another. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. So we get the picture in all these scriptures, the one I just read to you from Matthew 10, those verses, and these verses as well here, that following Jesus is not always a real easy life. Jesus never said it would be. Okay? Because you begin to live a life that's contrary to the rest of of the world around you, right? The rest of the world is walking by sight. But as followers of Jesus, we're called to walk by faith. We have a homeland that isn't here. We have a place we are going that is for all of eternity where it's not all about the things of this life and everything that's happening here, right? We are basing our lives not on the seen, but on the unseen as followers of Jesus Christ. So we can be contrary to the rest of the world around us. And as we flip back to Matthew chapter 8, we see that, again, this is what Jesus is telling this scribe here and his disciples. 
Following Jesus is the narrow path that Jesus said few find. And the reason that few find it is because it's not the easy way to go, right? Most people want to be on the path of least resistance. They just want to go with the flow. When you go with the flow of the rest of the world, it is the path of least resistance, okay? But when you turn around, when you repent, and you say, I'm going to live in a different manner, I'm going to live in the way that God wants me to live in accordance with His Word, I'm going to obey the words of Jesus, well, now we're going against the flow, right? But following Jesus, as it turns out, is a, is a life where your own family members may begin to avoid you because they don't like the path that you've chosen. And when Jesus told that man here in chapter 8 to let the dead bury the dead, he's sim simply making it clear to the people that when you come to Jesus, it's not a one foot in the word and one foot in the world kind of life. It's actually jumping both feet into being committed to following the commands of Jesus. It's a life where old things pass away and all things become new. And it's a marathon and not a sprint. That's something to keep in mind as well. Many people get on the course. Many people come to believe in Jesus for a period of time. And when it gets rough or it gets rocky or whatever happens, they jump off, right? But it's a marathon. We have to fight the fight of faith. We have to struggle at times to stay the course. It's not easy. When the difficulties of life arise, it seems easier to crumble sometimes. It seems easier just to get off the course. And I'll be the first to admit that a life of faith isn't always an easy life for me. There's many things that we face in these temporary life of ours, right? These lives of ours that are difficult to understand. But Jesus never said it would be easy. But as we keep the faith all the way till the end, we'll find that he'll take us to the other side. And I'll touch on that a little bit more here as we go on. And, and here in Matthew chapter 8, we see Jesus making it clear that following him is a life of commitment, and it's not, it's not always smooth sailing, right? And speaking of smooth sailing, that's about what Jesus and his disciples are about to do here in verse 23. It says, now when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him, and suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with waves, but he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. Again, put yourself in this scene. Picture yourself in this boat, right, in this situation. The storm is raging. Life isn't going the way that you would like it to be, right? It's not smooth sailing. And Jesus, God in the flesh, he seems to be unaware of your circumstances. You're saying, where are you, Lord? Don't you know, Lord, how I'm struggling? Are you even aware, Lord, of my pain, my anxiety, my depression? Do you see what's going on in my life? The storm is raging, Lord. Are you paying attention to me? Wake up, Lord. I need you. 
That's the situation these disciples are in in this boat. And sometimes we can feel that way. But I told you to remember that verse, what Jesus commanded. What, what command did Jesus give back there in verse 18? In the second half of that verse, he gave a command that says to depart to the other side. So Jesus said that they were going to the other side. When Jesus says it, we can rest assured in it. The storm came halfway through, but he said, we're going to the other side. See, they were going to make it to the other side. Remember earlier in this chapter how Jesus marveled at the faith of that centurion who said to Jesus that all Jesus had to do was to say the word and his servant would be healed. And Jesus marveled at that man's faith. Right? If Jesus would just simply speak the word, the centurion knew that it would be done. Well, here Jesus commands that they're going to go to the other side. So no storm was going to change that fact. No wind, no waves, right? Nothing, right? And today Jesus wants us to come completely to Him and to have faith in Him, to surrender all to Him, to rest in the truth of His Word, to be a disciples of His that holds fast to His teachings. And someday we will make it to the other side. In this world we have tribulation. Jesus said it would be so. There will be heartache, there will be emotional pain, there will be physical pain, and there will be storms in this life. But with Jesus in our boat, we're going to the other side for sure. But there's no promise of constant smooth sailing in this life, in the here and now. All kind of things take place in this world. In verse 26, we See, it says, speaking of Jesus, but he says to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was great calm. So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be, that even the winds of the sea obey him? You know, if not for the difficult times in life, we may never have the opportunity to marvel at the work of the Lord in our lives, at His hand, right? And at times it may seem that storms just keep raging, even when we've cried out to the Lord time and time again. But there are times when the Lord tells the storm to be still, as we see Him doing here. But there are also times when the storm keeps raging and he tells us to be still. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. An old song that I really like says that sometimes he calms the storm and other times he calms his child. If the disciples in the boat would have just rested in the words of Jesus that they were going to the other side because he gave a command they were going to the other side, they could have weathered the storm in a much easier manner, right? But it takes faith to get to the other side. It takes faith. And, and faith is not the same as our emotions. Sometimes our emotions go 
haywire. But faith is what we are to be rooted and grounded in. In, in our life in Christ, right, or if our life in Christ, I should say, is based on our emotions, then, then I'm going to be shipwrecked. I'm not getting anywhere if it's all based on my emotions. Faith is trusting in and rest, resting in not that which is seen, not that which we feel, but trusting in the unseen and what we believe in our hearts and what we're rooted and grounded in. You see, in this life, we're just pilgrims passing through, right? And the storms of this life serve to, to make our faith stronger. I've gone through things in my life and still do where the circumstances prove that, that I am a man of little faith. I can hear Jesus saying those words to me. Why, why are you fearful, oh, you of little faith? Right? That's me in many situations. But day by day, by His grace, I get a little bit stronger as I learn more and more to not look at the seen, but to look at the unseen and to look to, look to the fact that I'm going to the other side. Right? But sometimes when you're in a boat like this, and you picture yourself in this scene and something's happening, life is coming at you a million miles an hour and you can't handle it, you want to freak out, right? You may never see it in me, but the storms rage inside of me like that from time to time. And I find myself crying out to the Lord and saying, Lord, wake up. Wake up, Lord. Don't you know what's going on? But I find that every time Jesus either calms the storm or he calms me. One way or another, the day comes and the day goes and by his grace we get through it. And he's faithful even when we're not. And I need him in my boat or I surely won't make it to the other side. Then in verse 28, we'll continue on here. It says, when he, had come to, uh, when he had come to the other side, to the country of Gerasenes, and don't quote me on that saying there. I, I looked up how to say that, and I had it right before I started this, but I think I'm wrong there. But anyway, there met him two demon-possessed men coming out of tombs exceedingly fierce so that no one could pass that way. And suddenly they cried out, saying, What have we to do with you, Jesus, you Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Isn't it amazing how the demons knew who he was? Now a good way off from there was a herd of many swine feeding. So the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, permit us to go away into the herd of swine. And he said to them, Go. So when they had come out, they went into the herd of swine. And suddenly the whole herd of swine ran violently down the steep place into the sea and perished in the water. So what do we see here? Well, we've seen in our studies of Matthew thus far that Jesus has the power to heal the, the physically sick, right, and lame, the power to forgive sins, the power to calm storms, the power to cast out demons. Sometimes there are things in this life that torment you. These two demon-possessed men made it so that people couldn't even pass by their way. 
But when you are a disciple of Jesus and you're walking down the narrow path with Him, there's nothing that is going to keep you from where you are going. And these are key statements here. That is, is that as long as you are following Jesus, as long as you are obeying His commands, as long as you are walking on the paths of righteousness for His name's sake, the gates of hell will not prevail upon you. Just like the boat was going to get to the other side, there was no storm that was going to stop that fact because Jesus said it was going to be so. There were no demons that were going to change the path that Jesus and His disciples were on right now. Jesus is our Good Shepherd. He is leading us in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And we need to focus our lives on trusting Him, obeying Him, and knowing that the path that leads to our eternity with Him will not be altered. But notice in all of this, the storms come and the storms go. Demonic activity comes, demonic activity goes, but it all comes and goes in the power and the authority of Jesus Christ and in His commands. You see, if you're the captain of your own ship, right? If I'm the captain of my own ship, if you or I, if we're charting our own course in this life, well, good luck because luck will be about all you have to rely on, okay? But personally, I'm weak, and I cannot handle this life without Jesus as my Lord, my shepherd, my king, my everything. I need Him. And in verse 33, we see there that people were watching the activity of, of Jesus and His disciples, right? In this case, it was the keepers of the sheep and it says then those who kept them in verse 33 fled and they went away into the city and told everything including what had happened to the demon possessed men and behold the whole city came out to meet Jesus and when they saw him they begged him to depart from their region doesn't that seem kind of strange but you know when Jesus is at work in your life there'll be many seasons that you'll go through. You'll be ignored, you can be rebuked, you can be disowned, right? You can have a feeling like you have no place to lay your head. Storms, trials, tragedies, fear. The rain falls on the just and the unjust as it happens to one, so it happens to others. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. In other words, we all go through things. But that verse in 1 Corinthians 10.13 goes on to say, But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear. You see, there are good times in this life, and there are those times that we think are bad times. But with Jesus as our Lord, we can get through it all. We can find rest in the storms of this life. That is, we can rest in who He is, right? And His faithfulness, even when our faith seems small and can fail. 
And when we see the Lord at work in our lives, we can go to others like these sheep herders did, right? These shepherds did here. And we can tell of his marvelous works, but not everyone will be happy to hear about the work of Jesus. Not everyone wants him around. Do you see what happens there at the end of verse 34? They, they ask Jesus to depart. You see, sometimes people just don't want to hear it. They have not come to know Jesus in the way that you've come to know him. They don't want their lives disrupted. These shepherds lost their flock. Right? The town had demon-possessed people in it, but the townspeople were comfortable with the way things were. They didn't want the change. They don't want to hear about Jesus. They don't want to hear what Jesus has to say. There are people like that. So Jesus does wonderful works for sure in the heart of those that will truly come to Him, but there are plenty of people that, again, they want nothing to do with this narrow path that I'm speaking about here today. They want nothing to do with this narrow path that Jesus talks about. They don't want anything to do with it. Now, we're almost finished here for this morning, but I want you to go ahead and turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter 3. Again, it's to the right of where we are in Matthew. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John chapter 3. And I'll start reading in familiar verses there, John 3, 16. We know these verses, right? God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now pause right there, because again, I'm pointing out to you that there are people that do not want Jesus in their lives. They do not want their lives disrupted with having to give themselves wholeheartedly to the Lord. They want nothing to do with it. They don't want to hear it. And Jesus here goes on in verse 19 of John chapter 3, and He says, And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. Again, back in Matthew chapter 8, we saw that the town of the demon-possessed people didn't want the light of Jesus Christ. They'd rather have the darkness. They like their life just the way it is. But what about you? Do you want the narrow path 
illuminated by the sound doctrine of the Word of God? Or would you rather keep your darkness? Again, I'll tell you that the narrow path isn't easy. Foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests. But following Jesus takes surrender, absolute surrender. And it's a life of walking by faith and not by sight. So it's difficult. It's a difficult life. If anyone tells you that it's easy when you come to Christ and that everything's going to work out perfectly and there's going to be smooth sailing, no demonic activity on your path, nothing like that, it's not true. It's not found in the pages of Scripture. But what is true is we can do all things through Christ which strengthens us. And a great man of the Bible, a man named Joshua, he said these words. He said, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the God which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So that's what Joshua said. And are you determined this day to put an old life behind you and turn to a new life in Jesus Christ? If so, then place your life in His hands today. Allow yourself to rest in and to obey His commands. He'll take us to the other side, but we must be willing to trust completely and wholeheartedly in Him. Right? Give our lives completely to Him. Turn our backs to everything else and give our lives to Christ. That's, that's a heart decision that we need to make. And today is the day that we make that choice as to whether we're going to get in the boat with Jesus and go to the other side or whether we're going to ask Jesus to go away, depart. I want nothing to do with you. And it's real simple to come to a life of faith in Jesus Christ. Simple in the sense that it can happen like that. You just need to die to yourself. You need to take up the cross and realize you're not the captain of your own ship. You're not the one, the charter of your own course. You need to trust in the Lord with all your heart, your soul, your mind, every part of you. That's the life that Jesus calls His disciples to. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, again, we thank You for Your Holy Word. We thank You, God, that we are challenged once again today as we read Your Word to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of You. What will we do with what we've heard? What will we do, Lord, with what we read? Will we be doers of the work? Will we be doers of your word, Lord, or will we be forgetful hearers? The choice is ours. We need to choose this day whom we will serve, Lord. As for us here, Lord, we thank you that we can gather like this in your name, Lord. We can gather around your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit who works within us, Lord. Continue to strengthen us, Lord, as we go through this life, Lord, to trust in you more, we pray.
In Jesus' name, amen. Thinking about what? Mom? Uh-huh.